<laughs> sense of theme here. Hey, it's Gary and Shannon. Uh, thanks for downloading, listening to uh, the podcast of the Gary and Shannon Show. Now, if you want to listen to it live, you can do so every weekday from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. in the greater Los Angeles area on KFI AM 640. Or you can go onto the iHeartRadio app and just type in KFI and listen live, listen to old shows, etc. Make sure that you subscribe not only to this podcast and share it with all your friends, but the pre-post podcast as well, which is bonus content that we can't do on the air for legal purposes. We have a uh, new, well, actually, we have an old lineup here on KFI. We've changed <laughs> our numbers. Gary and Shannon uh, start from uh, 10 o'clock now. They go 10 to 2. Gary Hoffman. Yeah, this is permanent. Yeah, every day. Yeah, we'll see how that Until, little... Until uh, somebody else has uh, another bright idea. Shannon Farron. <laughs> My mouth hurts. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, my ears hurt. Gary and Shannon. So you got to stick around. Can't knock the hustle. Can't knock the hustle. Apparently you can knock the right. hustle. Because Manny Machado, who's who's not a fan of hustling, it's not his cup of tea, just signed a 10-year, $300 million contract. This is one of, I think this is now Luego, the Manny. third largest sports contract oh, so in history. It's, it's the largest no, I in think free agent history. Well, free agent maybe. I, there's a boxer, Canelo Alvarez I think has more than that. John Collar Stanton's is actually $325 million over 13 years, 12 or 13 years. Uh, but it's either, however the number suss out. That's a that's a eh, that's a pant load of money for Manny Machado. I agree. I don't I don't see it. What's Harper going to get? Well, Harper's going to get a hell of a lot more. I mean, it's good news for Bryce Harper, isn't it? And Bryce Harper. I mean, what's great is that for Bryce Harper, who is kind of a chap ass in his own right, is nothing like Manny Machado. Right. He may be. He may you know take the game a little too seriously at times, Bryce Harper, but he's not an a hole like Manny Machado is. So I wonder if he gets a premium for that. He gets a ten percent boost for being a you know not as bad play, of a guy playing the playing <laughs> the game hard, but not being a jerk about it. Hot takes, hot takes, hot takes, hot takes this morning. Wow, we have uh, this show is I this may be one of the weirdest, most disjointed shows because there's so much going on today, and it's all from different corners of the world. You got politics because Bernie Sanders is back in. Yep. Obviously the lawsuits that have been filed against the wall. You've Come, got radiation poisoning at Grand Canyon. Uh the the Sea Worldwide the ride that broke down. John Wayne from 1971 is being ripped apart on Twitter. A, and then the a terror in the skies that we have to get to. Well, one guy had, doesn't have his pants on and then one girl had too many chardonnays at the airport bar. Throw into that some Jussie Smollett and Gwyneth Paltrow news Ooh. and and uh, mega storms. I've got fresh Jesse Smollett news. For I'm you. in. Get your dipping sauces out because this nugget is new and it's hot. <laughs> Chicago police are investigating a tip that on the night Jesse Smollett reported being attacked, he was in an elevator of his apartment building with those two brothers who were later arrested and then released. A person who lives in the building. Or was visiting someone there, reported seeing the three men together the very night last month that Jesse Smollett says two masked men yelled racial and homophobic slurs at him in the street of Chicago after he left a subway. I like one take on it, and I forget who it was, but it's one of our followers on Twitter. He said, 
This story was wrong from the beginning because who buys a tuna sandwich at Subway? No one. Which led us into the discussion of the only place you have a tuna sandwich is at home when it is made by you. When you can control the environment. You have to be able to control it. Uh, There was another question similar to that, which doesn't point one way or the other about the, the veracity of the story, but what happened to the sandwich? Did he leave it on the street if it got knocked out of his hands? Did he hold on to the sandwich the whole time? Remember, he got a sandwich and a salad is what he said. And, again, minor details. And I'm sure that the police detectives know the answer to that question. When is Jesse Smollett going to talk to the cops again, if ever? He doesn't have to. Well, TMZ reports that a grand jury could convene as early as today to talk about whether to indict him uh, for filing a false police report. And that could be a felony. That could give him three years. It won't because he doesn't have any priors, but um, that's a that's a real problem. That's a felony on your record. Can the county and the state go after him as well for costs that were incurred in this? Remember, this all started the week before the attack because there was a letter that supposedly showed up at the studio, which I also think now is a hoax, and the FBI got involved in investigating that. So not only do you have local and state authorities, you have federal authorities who've spent time on this case. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, there's definitely grounds for a, for a civil case there. I don't know if they would pursue it. I remember what Jussie so, uh, told Robin Roberts. I will never be the man that this did not happen to. You just you I, made your bed there, brother. I'm sorry, but the idea that if, in fact, it turns out this thing was staged because the original threatening letter didn't get enough attention. Fox, by the way, who stood by Jesse Smollett, is now saying we're going to scale back his involvement on hem- Empire. Yeah, when you when you email Fox uh, TV now for information, they... They get back to you and they say, I'm sorry, I'm not quite sure what you're referring to. Is it Jussie or is it Jesse? I don't know. We don't have anybody here who works by that name. He was supposed to have nine scenes and a big musical number in the second to last episode, which is being shot currently. But five of his scenes have been cut. His musical number has been sliced out of that as well. And for the remaining four scenes he's in, he's not the focus of these scenes. The scene features an ensemble. So he's, he's with a bunch of other cast members. I wonder, just had this thought, as woke as the Oscars always try to be, if they're going to go out of their way to try to avoid something, uh, mentioning any of this, and if it ever gets brought up on the red carpet. Why would it be mentioned? Oh, you mean the people who rushed to Twitter to defend him before they knew all the facts? Yeah. I see. I thought you meant like the host. Usually the host uses current events to to have fun, but we don't have a host. So none of the presenters are going to take any, and they're not going to take any chances. They're all going to be safe as hell. That's one of the things that sucks about Oscars. It's like there's so many (laughs) few real moments of people. Everyone's got to be perfect. You've got to look perfect. You've got to dress perfect. You've got to say the perfect thing in the perfect way. And it's it's just so not natural. I'm um, I'm curious to see what's re- what's left of his career in this case. And I have to be consistent and ask if it turns out 
he did this. If it turns out he's charged with this and has to either spend time in jail or repay some of the resources that have been exhausted as a result of all of this, does that guy ever get back to a job acting, singing, whatever he chooses? I think if he does a a sit down in a couple of years with somebody and explains why he felt the need to do this and how much he hurt all the people that are true victims of hate crimes in this country and also the people in Chicago who feel like they are unfairly targeted. Yeah. Uh, if he talks about that and acknowledges them over himself, I think that maybe there's a pathway back for him. But listening to how arrogant and narcissistic he is on that Robin Roberts interview, I don't think he ever gets to that place. I will never be the man that this did not happen to. Remember, and the reason he says he was targeted is because he comes hard. I can just assume, I mean... I come really, really hard against 45. That's the language you use now? He called himself the gay Tupac. Yeah, that's really when people lost their S. I think everybody should You do not get to compare yourself from Tupac. (laughs) You you do not get to say, I am the whatever Tupac. Uh, Tupac stands alone somewhere on an island in Fiji. You got mad there. Bring Tupac into it. You get you get a little fired up. I have a very up. close relationship with Tupac. Seriously. It was all of the 90s. <laughs> all of them. Well, uh, we now have yet another Democratic presidential candidate, and he's back in. I, they keep pulling me back in. I wanted to go. I feel old, and now I'm back in. Bernie Sanders has announced that he is definitely throwing his hat into the ring. Whoop-dee-doo. Again, and now that that mean old dragon lady's out of the way, maybe he's got a chance. Well, uh, one of them. I don't know. I think I think his time has left. Yeah. There, I, th- a I lot think of... uh, the, the people that supported him. Well, we'll talk about it. Gary and Shannon will continue. Shannon. Just FYI, I'm following a bunch of people back on Instagram uh, at Gary and Shannon. Oh, is this the, uh, the crash on the ground? Yeah, the, we posted about the detritus that we found in the studio this morning. I don't understand. John and Ken came in. John came in last week and said it always smelled like fruit in here, mm-hmm. which <laughs> he, is he, a whole lot different than what we walked here's into. Here's the thing. John, to know what that means, you got to know John's relationship with food. And oh, that smelled so good. He hates fruits and vegetables. Ah. In fact, anything that's not a hamburger. So I could leave. I could leave a piece of rotting uh, meat, raw ground beef in here. Not a problem. In fact, he'd probably applaud that. But a uh, but an apple core that's over there is is that's not acceptable. Well, there's stuff on the ground today that uh, I don't even know how it ended up where it is. Because it's literally three feet away from the garbage can, but it's up on our Instagram. Right but now, just so you know, if you if you log into our Instagram page and you start seeing a bunch of weird pictures mm-hmm. from people, sometimes that happens when oh, we start following everybody yes. back. Yeah. And today's one of those days. <laughs> uh, a couple of deaths to tell you about. Designer Karl Lagerfeld died. The you... German couturier 
was the equivalent of Andy Warhol. It was described by some people dead, he, at the, dead in Paris at about, they say, about 85 well, years yeah, old. Well, yeah, there's a, it's a little unclear gray area as to when his birth date was, whether it was 33 or 38 or 35. He ran the House of Chanel for many, many years, and his quotes are fantastic. If you want to go down a Google hole today and procrastinate at work, look at his some of his quotes. One of like them a was sweatpants a, is a sign of giving up. <laughs> one of them was he designs clothes or something about he breathes. Sign of defeat. Clothes like he breathes. You wouldn't tell yourself to breathe. It just happens. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, they're great quotes. Uh, David Horowitz also passed away at the age of 81. The longtime Channel 4 consumer advocate, host of Fight Back. That's what I remember him from. But uh, the episode from 1987 where he was on set when that guy brought a gun to the set turned out to be a BB gun, but they didn't know that. It was somebody that got the okay to be in the studio to watch the broadcast. Like his dad used to work there. Yeah, and then just walked into the studio with a gun. And it made me think of a couple things. Number one, Fred Rogan was was there that day Mm -hmm. at NBC4, so we're going to be talking to him about that. And number two... How many times do we have people in here that we've signed off on watching the show? And and would you be surprised if one of them walked from that studio in here with a pistol and then said, read this on the air? How much wet would be in your pants? How much wet would be in my pants? I don't think you can quantify it. Wouldn't you pee your pants? Yes. Yes, me too. Bernie Sanders is in it. We are going to also launch what I think is unprecedented Uh, in modern American history, and that is a grassroots movement, John, to lay the groundwork for transforming the economic and political life of this country. Uh, He was talking on CBS this morning about the official announcement that he will be running for president once again. And the most interesting thing you could probably take away from this is a lot of the candidates that have already announced, I think there's 10 already, this this becomes 11 or something like that, 11, and he becomes 12 is that a lot of them have taken the Bernie Sanders stance on a lot of these issues. Yes, and they're diverse. This is the most diverse field we've had. Yeah. And he struggled getting the black vote back in uh, 2016. How is he going to do that when there's all of these people that, that look more like America than he does that have, like you said, taken over his talking points. It's it's going to be basically the same message in a different package. And I think that's going to be the thing that hamstrings whatever campaign he's able to put together. But he did go on. The only way that real change takes place is when millions of people stand up, fight back, and say, enough is enough. We're going to have a government that works for all of us, not just a few. This campaign... John, is a continuation of what we did in 2016. Many of the ideas that I talked about, Medicare for all, raising the minimum wage uh, to $15 an hour, uh, making public colleges and universities tuition-free, all of those ideas, people say, oh, Bernie, they're so radical, they are extreme. The American people just won't accept those ideas. Well, you know what's happened in over three years? All of those ideas and many more are now part of the political mainstream. Yeah, they are, are, and you're an old white guy. 
He said on Vermont Public Radio today, we have got to look at candidates, you know, not by the color of their skin, not by their sexual orientation or their gender and not by their age. We have to we have to look at people based on their abilities. And, you know, that statement in any other light means something completely different than what it does coming from Bernie Sanders today when he announces his candidacy saying, hey, don't vote for them because they look more like you vote for me because I have the I have more abilities. I have more experience. But look at what the headlines have been during this administration for those type of voters, race, gender, faith, all of that has dominated the headlines. Yeah. People are into that. I, I'm curious. He is one who has been incredibly vocal about his feelings towards President Trump. Repeatedly in this interview this morning referred to him as a pathological liar and a racist. The other candidates may have those ideas, but those are not the talking points that they're using on the campaign trail, at least not yet. So I'm curious to see if he drives that conversation to one end, or, you know, and pushes those to to become sort of more commonplace on the campaign trail. He's 77. I don't know if the I don't know if he's got that same amount of energy even that he had four years ago, and three years ago wasn't now. But really overwhelming. No, it wasn't. But it was an amazing amount. He for for who he was. For his age, for his his place in life, he put together a pretty amazing campaign. I don't think anybody can argue with. It was that there was a giant... Socialism was his campaign, though. They, people didn't love him because of him. They loved the socialist principles. And they loved the free stuff. I want Captain, yes. you know, Santa, Bernie to bring me right. free stuff. Right. And it didn't matter if it was him as the messenger or AOC now or... Kamala Harris, but or, hey, you know, the one thing that that is out of his way, at least until something crazy happens, is Hillary Clinton. The machine that put her in place is out of his way. Who will the machine pick this time around or who has the machine already picked? Good question. Um, I love this next story that we're going to talk about, because if you're a prosecutor, your job has changed dramatically in the past 10 or so years with the emergence of social media. And when you look at it from an evidentiary standpoint of how much new evidence comes into trials because of social media, it is overwhelming. Talk about a document dump. Now emojis are causing some problems in courtrooms. What do they mean? (laughs) What are my parents now? Prosecutors? Yes. I don't understand. Is that a yes? Is that a pyramid of brown with eyes? Well, some emoji chains can be up for a discussion about what they mean. Ugh. Like peaches, peaches, eggplants. <laughs> Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. <laughs> what are you laughing at? Because we're her this parents. is the point in the show yes. where where it just goes off the rails. Oh, oh. You know? it's too early for that. Or is it? We don't feel like outsiders. Gary and Shannon. Tuesday, it's February 19th. A lot to get to when we do Swamp Watch at 1230 today. 16 states have now filed as part of that lawsuit against the Trump administration's emergency declaration. Of course, 
Our Attorney General Javier Becerra says the president is violating the Constitution to be determined by the Supreme Court, we expect. The president going after the high-speed rail project in California, saying that the train project is hundreds of times more expensive than the desperately needed wall. I don't know if hundreds of times, because I think he wants, what, $8 billion? And uh, the, the high-speed yeah. rail latest cost, I think, is $77 billion. Yeah. Um, also, there was a, a story out of Porter Ranch. They're still investigating. Three men found dead in a home in a gated community on Via Gala- Galileo. They said it was being investigated as a burglary homicide. So we'll see if we get more information on that through the day. Well, back in 2017, there was a couple in Israel, and they were facing off with a landlord of an apartment that they were thinking of renting. And their use of emojis came into play in this court case because the landlord was saying this couple said that they wanted to rent the apartment. And the couple says, no, we didn't. They went on to rent another apartment. They ended up losing that fight in court. And were charged thousands of dollars in fees because the court ruled that their use of emojis to the landlord did signal an intent to rent that apartment. They they sent him a string of emoji, including a champagne bottle, a squirrel, and a comet. What? Say that again? A champagne, a bottle, champagne bottle, a squirrel, S- and a comet. Well, the uh, champagne pot- bottle I get. Monica? What does a squirrel mean? I, I don't know. What about a comet? That could mean a number of things. Um, but so excitement? I'm assuming e- with the champagne, maybe excitement and celebration. celebration. Excitement yeah. that they're going to rent the apartment. And yeah. that is what the court found. Uh, the squirrel's still a roadblock for me. Yeah. Anyway, it's just one instance of emojis working their way into courtrooms throughout the world. Emojis and emoticons have been around for 15 years now, and they're saying that between the year 2004 and 2019, an exponential rise in emoji and emoticon references in U.S. court opinions, uh, over 30% of all of these emoji emoticon cases appeared last year alone. Up in the Bay Area, prosecutors were trying to prove that a man arrested during a prostitution sting was a pimp. And among the evidence, a series of Instagram DMs that he allegedly sent to a woman. One read, teamwork, make the dream work, with high heels and a money bag emoji placed at the end. Uh Prosecutors argued that this implied a working relationship between the, the prostitute and the pimp. Now, the defendant, the the alleged pimp, said it meant that he was just trying to strike up a romantic relationship. Well, who do you bring in to deal with this? What expert? Well, there's no such... You bring in Monica. There's no such thing as an emoji (laughs) expert. Um, And they're talking about the the potential for emojis to be misinterpreted over different platforms. Because if I send an emoji on my iPhone to somebody using a Galaxy phone... There is a chance that there's even a just a slight difference in just in say the yes. the gritting teeth emoji. It looks different on my phone than it does on yours, and you could interpret it different than what I'm intending it Do to be. Do you remember that year of sheer hell when you and I and Oscar had uh, had uh, a break in communication because I had the Samsung and not the iPhone? I still don't understand. Remember why how you, did you that. guys would send me stuff that you knew I couldn't get and enjoy, and how that made a major rift in the relationship. 
You felt like you were on the outside. Now I've got this iPhone here because well, of that. Uh, I mean, and just even even outside of the differences between platforms, a sentence that you send, a text message that you send, followed by, say, a winky emoji, can be very different than the sentence that you just send dry. Right. You need to use punctuation. You know, like sometimes you send an email and it can come across, it, unless you put like an exclamation point right. or like a happy face or yes. something, it comes across like a slap in the face sometimes. Emails are so up for uh, for any sort of Let me tell you, in that context and, and in terms of re- interpreting messages like that, whenever my son sends me a text message, if there's an exclamation point behind it, almost no matter what it says, it brightens my day. Yes, I have Why diarrhea. That? Like exactly. that brightens your day. Exactly. Right. Because then he sounds like he's having fun. Right. There's emotion and it's good emotion. <laughs> um, P.S. We just got a message that the squirrel means that they were nuts for the place. <laughs> I'm going to start sending squirrels willy nilly. Please do not. Yes. Please do not do that. <laughs> <laughs> I think I will too. <laughs> and nobody will know but you oh and I. Oh my gosh. Now they're saying that, that this amazing. is, you know, in terms of the guy who who looked into all of this, a Santa Clara University law professor has been tracking references to emojis and emoticons in these court opinions. There's a few places where the judges either don't quite understand the interpretation or feel like they well, don't matter, sure. so they'll say, literally in the court record, they'll say emoticon um, or e- emoji you know, omitted because they think it doesn't matter. Right. When, in fact, it could have a lot to do with the interpretation of these messages. To your question about who you call in that Bay Area case, the prostitution, the, the pimp, trying to prove the guy was a pimp and not just looking for a little uh, uh, action. An expert specializing in sex trafficking was called in to testify. And he testified that the high heels and bags of money supported the prosecution's interpretation that the defendant was accused of sex trafficking, essentially translating to wear your high heels to come make some money. Another message from the defendant in that case included the crown emoji. This guy testified that was meant to signify that the pimp is the king. Side note, not using the crown emoji anymore. Yeah, but... uh... Dial up that squirrel and see what it gets you. Just don't use it with an eggplant, please. Squirrel, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it takes a while to translate. Hey, we got a message, and I wanted to throw this in there. Setzer the Cat tweeted us from Albuquerque, formerly from SoCal. <laughs> and uh, Setzer writes, I survived child trafficking, started college for my physics degree in my late 40s. I would love a shout-out and some messages of support. Thank you. So listen while you're doing homework. Christina, congratulations. Good luck. Physics is tough. That's the end of my statement. But squirrel emoji. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. Gary and Shannon. Stick around, Fred. We've got great stories in here. Man. Uh, Grand Canyon story we'll do at the bottom of next hour. Who knew that you were exposed to radiation for a couple of decades when you were hiking through the Grand Canyon? And we do have a terror in the skies coming up. A bunch of stories we're going to try to get into, including 
the one thread of a woman flying all the way from Paris, I think it was to JFK, where the dude took his pants off in the aisle next to her. It was. That is a long flight. He took off his pants. He was just in his boxer shorts. You oh. can see his hairy legs, and, and he took off his, his socks at one point. What's wrong with being relaxed on a plane? Uh, you want to be comfortable. It's a long flight. Do you take off your pants, Fred? Pardon me? So, let's go back to 1987, shall oh. we? Well, right, the, let's go. The reason we're doing the story is because uh, David Horowitz, longtime consumer advocate, consumer journalist, died at the age of 81. Um, he best known for his Emmy-winning TV program, Fight Back with David Horowitz. Yes. Fight Back! Don't let no one push you around. Fight That's right. Back! Remember that thing, because we used to watch that as a kid, and he'd have that garbage file or whatever it was, the big file cabinet, he'd pull out a file at the end. and That's pretty cool. I, I like loved that. that I like show. props. He was really the first consumer guy yeah. in the country. As Kelly Lang was the first female news anchor, KNBC was at the forefront of a lot of things. And David Horowitz was actually that guy, the first big consumer guy in the he, country. In fact, I understand he pushed back against that label because he said he wanted to be able to treat the consumer and the business equally yes. in the event that, you know, if there was a dispute between the two. He a also appeared as himself on episodes of Silver Spoons. Remember <laughs> yep. that? That was great. Did Alf? he bring his hair? The Golden Girls, <laughs> Saved by the Bell. Well, the key, one of the things we wanted to bring Fred Rogan in here to talk about was this story from August 19th, 1987. Right. This was the next day. This is the way CNN reported what happened. Gary Stolman suddenly appeared on the set of KNBC's evening newscast just as consumer reporter David Horowitz was being introduced. Pardon me? What is this? Let me see what it says. All right. He's got a gun for oh. All right, well, let me read this. Folks, we have we have someone on the set who's standing here and would like me to read um, to read this uh, this this copy, which was just handed to me. You want to tell me your name or not? What is it? And Gary, where are you from? So it's a 4 p.m. newscast. Right. In the middle of this, and this was a guy that got the okay to be in the studio. His father had worked there at one point. Yeah, here's the deal. So his dad, Max Stolman, we, we'd have a weekly segment with a pharmacist. And the pharmacist would come on during the 4 o'clock news, and it was an ensemble group of people that came in and out and answer questions about medication to give people tips. I would always follow that segment. So now I'm going to follow David Horwitz on this very day. Uh, Max, the pharmacist, had already been on. But he allowed his son to come into the studio that day. And, you know, you had visitors in then, especially if they were family members. So given where the set was located, I was seated off on the side. We had some chairs waiting to go on. Sitting next to me is this guy. So I'm looking at the guy. I don't really know him. And he seems a little twitchy to me. Guy seems just a little off, a little twitchy. If you were to describe him uh, based on somebody that we know here, is there anybody here that you think is twitchy that... Should watch out for. Uh, I would say Conway. Okay. 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 Just in just a picture. He's a fast mover. Sure. So he's a little twitchy and a little itchy, and he's sitting there. I'm kind of looking at him, going, "Who is this guy?" So David Horowitz begins his fight back. We're going to fight back right now. He gets up and he walks toward the set, and as he's walking, I look at his right hand, and all of a sudden. I can see he's taking out a gun. Oh, my God. So now... What did you do? Well, you have to do something at that moment, and I did the only thing I could. I ran out of the studio like a bat out of hell and started (laughs) screaming, there's a man with a gun in the studio. There's a man with a gun in the studio. (laughs) Oh, my God. So now I'm in the hallway. I ran out. Yeah. 
And I'm watching on a monitor, and he's come up from behind David Horowitz, and he's put the gun to his head. Oh, my God. And he's asking him to read his manifesto. And it was talking about the president and all kinds of weird things. And David should, Horowitz is, is trying to keep the broadcast together. Right. And like, it should I, be noted that right there at that when he says, you know, what's your name and where are you from, that's when the somebody in the control room went to a frozen screen that just said we'll be, you know, technical difficulties or we'll be back in a moment. Well, there's really a whole story behind that. And it, it's all right. Anyway, so he puts the gun to his head. We go to, you know, uh, we'll be right back. And then eventually we had a live announcer. Coming up today at 5 on KNBC, oh you'll be God. hearing the NBC News at 8, Silver Spoon. So it was this bizarre thing. People saw David Horowitz have a gun to his head. Anyway, Horowitz finishes. The police come. They've now gotten inside the studio, and they are crawling, crawling by cameras. So they're on their bellies, and they're crawling and looking around, and Stolman can't see them because of the way the studio is situated. David finishes the speech. He puts down, Stolman puts down the gun, and wham, like 10 guys are on him. The Burbank police had to be there in literally 90 seconds. I mean, I can't tell you how quickly the police got to the building. If you were doing your live sports Mm -hmm. and that same thing happened to you, would you continue with the broadcast? Or, like, how would you, how do you Well, here's the thing you have to realize. Oftentimes, when somebody comes in to do that, they want to be seen on TV. And if you go to a slide, as we did... Because the concern was, oh, my God, there's somebody in the studio and someone may be killed on live television. So they went to a slide immediately and took it off. Although David Horowitz afterwards was very upset and talked to the L.A. Herald Examiner and said that could have cost me my life by going to that slide. Right. And the problem was we didn't punch them up in the studio so Gary Stolman would have believed Mm. he was still on. The monitors that he would have seen looked like They didn't do that because everything happened so fast. So... He finishes the manifesto, Stolman puts down the gun, boom, police are all over him. It's over. So now we are gone for a good period of time. Guess who's on next? Me. I'm the one next. So we go to a break. Everything is fine, and they tell me in my ear, whatever you do, don't refer to what just happened. And I said, you mean I'm going to be sitting here? The desk is lower because we had an up-and-down desk, so now we're kind of like in a living room setting and just talking about sports. When people saw David right. Horwitz with a gun, to, with a his gun head. to his head, don't mention a word. Don't say a thing. I mean, these days, you'd milk that for the rest of the day. Yeah, I didn't listen to him. Oh, you didn't? So we came out of the break, and I said, okay. look, you were watching. Let me tell you what happened here. Everybody is okay. Good I believe for you. John yeah. Beard and Kirstie Wilde were the anchors that day, and they were both just terrified. I mean, you can imagine what would be running through your mind. Oh, my gosh. And they took Stolman away. And David Horowitz continued on at Channel 4 for a while. Did uh, I, We were talking about how we would probably uh, pee our pants if that happened. I don't, you know what? It's hard to figure what you would do. Yeah, there's no way to. I but, know. But I would think the thing you would want to do, if you could, and Horowitz did such a great job of it, is try to remain calm yeah. as you can because... Obviously, the person that's oh next God. to you yeah. is very unstable. Right. Watching that video again, I remember as a kid, but watching the video again, he doesn't quite understand what's going on. There's a guy behind him who's handing him a, until he turns around and can actually see the gun, right. but still keeps it together yeah. at that point. Yeah, I, he, knowing he, Not knowing if it's real or not, it would turn out to be a BB gun, but 
Uh, but still, that wouldn't be a... Yeah, and afterwards, it was the gallows humor. humor. Oh, my God. Uh, Horowitz was held at toy point. You know, and everybody's like, oh, ha, ha, ha. not so funny when it happened. Yeah. Right. Not so funny at well, that moment. All right. Well, well David Horowitz, uh, dead at the age of 81, but uh, a fantastic memory, Fred. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me, you guys. Oh, Anytime. On. Okay, I'll be back soon. Okay, great. All right. <laughs> More coming up on Gary and Shannon. Tuesday, it's February 19th. We mentioned, uh, we were just talking with Fred Rogan about the death of David Horowitz, a longtime Channel 4 consumer advocate, host of Fight Back, died at the age of 81. Uh, Carl Lagerfeld has died at the age of 85. Just got word that uh, longtime Dodgers pitcher Don Newcomb no. has died at the age no. of 92. Oh 92. my gosh. Yeah. Hey, uh, he was out there last season. He was. He was. Oh, that's too bad. Four-time All-Star, was a World Series champ in 55, the NL MVP in 56 with the Cy Young Award winner as well, was the wins leader in 56, the strikeout leader in 51, had a 149-90 record. Uh, Don Newcomb, unfortunately, uh, passed away at the age of 92. That makes me sad. Sorry. Uh, Well, we have been worried about the major earthquake that's going to hit at any time. (laughs) But there's another big one that we haven't spent as much time considering, and scientists say we should be spending some time considering the other big one that could hit California. They say it could cause three times as much damage as the major earthquake that could rip along the San Andreas. It's a megastorm. I'm not as motivated by out of fear for a megastorm as I am motivated out of fear of an earthquake. Well, let me see if I can change that. Okay, go ahead. This rare megastorm would last for weeks. Stop. Rain doesn't come down for weeks in California. They're saying that with climate change and the way the forecasts are predicted, this is a possibility. The megastorm would last for weeks and the floodwaters would inundate cities it, they would form lakes in the Central Valley in the Mojave. Officials estimate that structural and economic damage from this arc storm would amount to more than $725 billion statewide. They say that in heavily populated areas here of the L.A. Basin, the runoff from the San Gabriel's would very quickly overwhelm the flood control dam on the San Gabriel River, and you would have flooding from Pico Rivera to Long Beach. Now, I could... You can wrap your head around that, perhaps. And we saw what we thought was going to be a disaster like this when the the spillway in Oroville was, was severely damaged. And they had to evacuate the Central Valley basically from from Oroville all the way down to Yuba City because they were afraid that the dam was going to break. I guess this is the sim the, uh, a similar instance, and they do have what they say is precedence for this because back in 1861, 
there was several weeks of rain from December of 1861 through January of 1862, five, six weeks of extremely heavy rain off and on to the point that parts of Sacramento, the city of Sacramento, right, where the American and Sacramento rivers come together, they had to move the state capital out of Sacramento for several months into San Francisco because they couldn't get business done because of the amount of flood water. There. Should history repeat itself? They're saying, the Army Corps of Engineers is saying that that 60-year-old Whittier Narrows Dam does not meet the agency's tolerable uh, tolerable risk guidelines, and it would fail. That it would fail, and you know what that means. They're saying specifically that if the water did come over the top of the spillway, basically, of um, of where the San Gabriel embankment is, the spillway embankment, that as it goes down the other side, the water just basically wears away what is just it amounts to a pile of dirt. And then once that wall gets eroded, the whole thing comes down. They're saying it would be a very significant loss of life. Very significant. And they're asking federal funding for this. They're asking for $600 million in federal funding to upgrade this three-mile dam. The fix isn't that difficult they're saying that on the outside of it you know on the area that would not be uh holding the water back you simply put a series of concrete steps down the other side of it so that as the water if the water does spill over the top it doesn't erode the dirt it just goes down the concrete and the concrete can handle it i'm gonna go down a list of cities that would be completely wiped out well don't don't say wiped out Inundated. They'd be inundated, but uh, some of them. Artesia, Bell Gardens, Bellflower, Carson, Cerritos, Commerce, Compton, Cypress, Downey, Hawaiian Gardens, La Palma, Lakewood, Long Beach, Linwood, Montebello, Norwalk, Paramount, Rossmore, Santa Fe Springs, Seal Beach, and Whittier. One million people affected. In a worst case scenario, Pico Rivera would be hit with water 20 feet deep. Yeah. 20 feet. And in some of those other places, four, five, six. Are you feet getting deep more scared? Well. well, here's the thing: I've lived through a flood, and the damage that comes through a f- what? You've lived through the flood of 1982 when Petaluma and Nevada were underwater, and you couldn't have your birthday party. So your neighbor Dennis made you the cake. Yeah. It was fine. You I got wasn't the it. only one affected by the flood. There were tens, if not hundreds, of millions of dollars in damages. You as were a result not of those affected storms. by the flood just because your birthday party got canceled. My entire house was wiped clean there there were okay, four feet effect. of that, water in that, my entire that's, house that's affected okay <laughs> what did you do is that that's uh, out of the realm of a shop vac um i for the first two nights i believe we slept at the elementary school several blocks away but out of the path of the river and then from that point for probably a month month and a half we spent nights in my parents bedroom because it was upstairs we had a second floor yeah so the five of us were all sleeping in the same bedroom until we could get the floors ripped up, the walls dried out, everything replaced, everything washed, all that sort of stuff. So That's a lot. And that's just our house. I mean, and we even though we had three, four feet of water in our house, the damage itself wasn't horrific. There were other places where the building, the homes had to just be torn down and, and started over. So... Make it sound I feel like bad you. about that. Well, you should. I'm sorry. I missed my birthday. Coming up next, speaking of horrific, people trapped. And at by Seville. the way, Dennis's cake was pretty lopsided. I mean, not to be. What kind of cake was it? Blue. 
Mm. That's all I remember. It had a blue nine on it. That's all I remember. And it was lopsided. And nothing weird there. If it was it started, just it's Dennis, starting, it's starting to sound who, like abducted in plain Dennis sight. Dennis, who came to my house <laughs> and is like, "Hey, I'm going to give your son the best birthday he's to ever sound had." Like Dennis, we were maybe all over at their house. You extra my entire attention. family went with me. Paid attention to you and no, not the sisters. No. I literally just got goosebumps. I know that me documentary too. scarred me. It scarred all of us. Reasons why you should go on a roller coaster when we come back to the Gary and Shannon show. <laughs> I don't know when we're going to get to this story in the show today, but we're going to get to it. There is a beagle that's raising a baby possum because she lost her litter of puppies. A beagle has adopted a baby possum. Possums are not nice animals. Depends how they're raised. Okay. (laughs) If they're raised by a puppy... I suppose. You're already upset with the story, and I haven't even told you the entire story. Uh, there was a uh, there was a lawsuit filed, and now we have 16 states that have signed on to this lawsuit against the president's uh, emergency declaration to fund a wall at the border. The attorney general for our great state of California, Javier Becerra, has said that uh, he has that the president is violating the Constitution. So that's uh, something we'll get into a little bit more when we jump into Swamp Watch. Well, did you hear about the horror at SeaWorld in San Diego? Apparently there was an unusual gust of significant wind that caused the gondola ride at SeaWorld to shut down. I've never been a giant fan of rides like this. I don't roller coasters in general don't bother me. In fact, some of them are fantastic. I'm not a big fan of chairlifts or gondolas or anything where it's a big apparatus held up by a string. <laughs> That's how I feel. I mean, it's not a string. It's a full uh, full wound, probably inch and a half, two-inch cable. Well, that's how I feel. Uh, no, I get it. I, I, I could see how that works. There was um, uh, about 7.20 in the evening last night is when the Bayside Skyride stopped functioning. Circuit, whatever it was, the circuit breaker, and they couldn't fix it. So they said that there were several gondolas, right? Or the cars, gondolas, whatever it was, they were just stopped in midair over the water, which I get to me would be less terrifying than if it was over pavement. Because if something happened and I fell out of that gondola at 40, 50 feet in the air, Uh better chance of me surviving hitting the water than it would if I was hitting pavement. Let me just put this layer on your nightmare. Get it. Remember what caused the ride to break down, significant wind. Okay. That wind did not stop. So you're stand, you're in your gondola <laughs> suspended there with the winds rocking that thing back and forth. Total of 16 people were stuck in these five gondolas, some of which were suspended still above the water. Seven of them were kids, including a baby. Oh. No, thank you. Now, you can hear the the fire department was able to get I don't understand exactly how they did this, but they got to the people, put them in harnesses, lowered them in the harnesses 
by uh, into lifeguard boats that were in the water down below. So go ahead and just kind of lean back. Just kind of keep your feet on that edge right there. I'll do that. Just start to lower down. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> yeah, buddy. <laughs> That's a fun night for a firefighter. That's an yeah, adventure. Crazy. You, you don't you don't get to do that very often. No, I would imagine. No, that's an adventure. It was forty nine degrees though. That's got to be cold. Here's the thing: they all of those gondolas have blankets on board. I don't know how I feel about that. Well, community blankets. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, I think what they would say is. That they were able to talk with each of the people by intercom, or at least each of the gondolas by intercom, is they say to them, hey, for just such an occasion, it's getting it's kind of chilly. <laughs> if you look down below, that little lot, you know, that little latch over there is actually a secret compartment that carries blankets. I don't think it's that when you get onto the gondola, the expectation is you're gonna have a blanket there for you. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I've I don't I've never ridden this one, so I don't know uh Exactly where they store their blankets and how communal they are. I don't want to talk about communal blankets for the rest of the program. <laughs> Coming up next. You're the you, one that wanted to talk about abducted in plain sight. I think we need to spend an hour talking about abducted in plain sight. I want to give everybody enough chances to watch it, though. Maybe for what you watch on Wednesday, we break it down. Do you want to tell people now or do you want to do it next week? Let's do it next week. You've okay. got a week and a night to... Uh, it's on Netflix. Yeah. It's called Abducted in Plain Sight. It's the most unbelievable thing you'll ever see. Ever. Don't, don't worry about sitting on the couch and because we'll all... you'll stand up the oh, whole yeah. time. Oh, yeah. And, and don't worry about trying to keep your mouth shut because you are just going to be yelling at the television the entire time. Okay. And mm-hmm. in one week... From tomorrow, we'll all get together and we'll unpack that luggage. We will hopefully come to some sort of national healing over this story. I don't think so. I don't think so either. Man, Pocatello, Idaho (laughs) has just been crossed off my list of places to visit. No, I hear it's lovely there. It's just one bad family and another bad guy. It's a bad situation. A lot of bad. A lot of bad. All right. Grand Canyon. Poisoning. Yep. Radiation poisoning. When you go to Grand Canyon, we'll tell you why. Gary and Shannon. Gary uh, and Shannon. So there is a whole group of kids. That came in here. They're on a field trip. And uh, first of all, management came in to our studio and said, hey, uh, Gary and Shannon, there are children. There's children in the hallway, so watch your mouth. Number two, the kids wanted to come in here. So we said, sure. So the kids came in. We took pictures. What's the worst that could happen, we said. And then one of the moms says, so what's the big story today? And the first thing that comes into my head is abducted in plain sight. Veto. Can't tell them that. Second thing that comes in is like fake hate crime. Can't go tell him that, you know. And then we're thinking, well, Don Newcomb died. They're not going to know who that is. You tell uh, about J- the bee John the Wayne's the puppy? John the Wayne's blossom? racist from 1971. You can't tell him that. It was a real touch and go situation. I should have done the possum and the dog story. That would have really. That's hit. what they're going to see instead on all the I, six o'clock news. Instead, tonight. I yeah. said a bunch of kids got trapped in SeaWorld on a ride, and the whole room went like this. <gasps> Whoa. It was not good. 
at least they come in to see you guys. If you've ever wanted to feel like a zoo animal, just have a bunch of people just stare at you through a window. Well, what's funny is that your window is actually low enough where they can see you. Yeah. Our window and our door here is high <laughs> enough that all we could see was little heads bobbing, like <laughs> just the very top of their little hairdos uh, over through the window. So they couldn't even see us. Little minions? Tried. Yeah. So anyway, that's uh, that was our excitement for the day. And we're glad that you could uh, join us. Um if you've been to the Grand Canyon anytime recently and gone to the uh, the museum there, there is a great chance that you were exposed to radiation. There is a although the safety director for the park says that the public was um, didn't get a lot of radiation, they were never warned that they may have been exposed to radiation. There was a February 4th email that went out to all Park Service employees. And it described three five-gallon paint pails, which, you know, just think of you the Home Depot bucket, that big orange bucket. Five-gallon buckets of uranium ore that were stashed in the National Park Museum's collection building. If you were in the museum collections building between the year 2000 and 2018, middle of uh, June, I think it was, you were exposed to uranium by OSHA's definition. The radiation readings at first blush do exceed the Nuclear Regulatory Commission's safety limits. Identifying who was exposed and your exposure level, however, gets tricky, and that is our next important task. The toxic buckets were located near a taxidermy exhibit where children would sit for a half an hour on tours. And the kids, that is not The funny. kids may have been exposed to 4,000 times what is considered a safe limit, and adults 400 times. So what's the, uh, what are the effects here? Well, in, in terms of what's going to happen, it's hard to say exactly. Um, the, they say that these buckets have been taken away. There are no current risks to any parks employees or the public. The problem is... It's, I'm not worried about the kids who were there for 30 minutes. I'm worried about the people who go in there every single day yeah. and have repeated exposure to these buckets of raw uranium ore. They said that um, the uh, workers immediately removed the buckets, took it to a different location in the building, although it's still not gone completely. In terms of what it is that they're going to do and how they figure out what the potential problems will be it's hard to say you know the maximum safe dosage for the public is about two millirems per hour about a hundred per year that's why when you get your x-ray done at the uh the dentist office or the you know at the doctor's office they always leave the room because they're doing it four or five times a day you're only doing it once every couple of years and you've got that nice weighted blanket to protect you say it again weighted blanket Mm. Does just saying it relax you? Yes. Interesting. In fact, Nick sent me an, uh, an article that was all about uh, the weighted blankets and how they uh, make you, why they calm you down. I think it was like the top seven weighted blankets on the market today. It's interesting that weighted blankets would calm you down since the only other exposure you have to weighted blankets is when you're doing one of the most uncomfortable things as a human, and that is getting de- your teeth worked on. Yeah, but it works. But yet... You feel that relaxing feeling at home. Yeah. When when animals get very anxious, dogs specifically, 
they make weighted vests for dogs that they can wear during uh, during thunderstorms. They call them thunder jacket or thunder vest or something like that. Do you want a weighted blanket for work? Do you have one at home and you have one at work in case you need it? I feel like I can work through my anxiety here. Okay. Yes, I can work through my anxiety here. And if I need to, I'll just put my jacket on and put, like, stuff in the pockets and put it on my on my body and I'll feel, I'll feel safe. I didn't know that you were dealing with anxiety, and now I feel like I need to be more uh, sensitive to that. Do you know you? What do you mean? When we come back, Gwyneth Paltrow's back in the news today. Are you insinuating that I don't care that you're dealing with anxiety? No, I'm saying that you're the cause of it. When Gwyneth Paltrow talks about Harvey Weinstein, close that mouth, flies are going to get in. When Gwyneth Paltrow talks about Harvey Weinstein, she describes her screaming matches with Harvey Weinstein. And that... Her words for him were bully boss. It's hard when you're a woman working with a guy that's a complete apple. It's a struggle every day. And we're going to get into that when we come back. Good. Probably go screw yourself. Monica Riggs has the latest. Could be anywhere by now. Oh, she's not there. I'll do the news. Hold on. Stand by. Are you just going to do this? I'm Monica Ricks in the KFI Newsroom. A new congressional report says senior White House officials pushed a project to share nuclear power technology with Saudi Arabia, despite the objections of ethics and national security officials. Lawmakers from both parties have expressed concerns that Saudi Arabia could develop nuclear weapons if the U.S. technology were transferred without proper safeguards. Look at the weather and traffic next. I need it. I need it. I need it. I need it. Gary and Shannon, it's Tuesday, February uh, 19th at the uh, 1 o'clock segment, right at the top of the hour there. We're going to be talking with Jason Nathanson for the latest on the Jussie Smollett story. Um, Shannon mentioned this earlier. There was a guy who says that he saw Jussie Smollett with the two brothers that were initially questioned as potential suspects. This guy may have seen them uh, together in an elevator in the apartment building, perhaps. So uh, we still have not heard anything from Jussie Smollett. His attorneys have been the ones talking for him for the last uh, 72, 96 hours or so. And uh, they have not set up an appointment to talk with detectives. Coming up after Monica's news at the top of the hour, we will bring you the story of the beagle that is raising a possum. Gwyneth Paltrow is opening up on her dark relationship with Harvey Weinstein. But in all honesty, in terms of the stories that we've heard about Harvey Weinstein as a as a person. Stop your whining, Gwyneth. You didn't have to watch him masturbate. Whoa. But. But right. But yes. <laughs> she. Uh... <laughs> we just went from like zero to a hundred. I was only going to allude to it. Uh. But anyway, she did a tell all interview with Variety. I apologize. I thought we were in a circle of of trust here. Um, She did a tell all interview with Variety and she said he was a bully. I never had a problem standing up to him. I wasn't scared of him. I also felt for a period of time I was the consumer face of Miramax. 
and I felt it was my duty to push back against him. She said, we had a lot of fights. This is around the time when she was in Shakespeare in Love back in 1998. Did you ever see that movie? I did. I, I enjoyed it. Did I you? thought I it never was great. It. Um, I, lo- I fell in love with Gwyneth Paltrow back then. Oh. I'm just... Well, we're being honest. We now. are. We so are. This is the honest time, and it, it was great. That and uh, was the uh, great expectations. I think was the other one. No, what was the one she was in with Ethan Hawke? There's an odd Emma dark. No, no, no. Oh, it was a, not one of those old British wacky things. I'll Google it. Um, but it was a one of those stories like that. This Shakespeare in Love. She actually turned it down originally, saying that uh, Harvey Weinstein wanted her in it, but she was going through the breakup with Brad Pitt at the time. And eventually, after some rewriting, she signed on. But she said sliding that... Sliding doors? No. Um, Talented Mr. Ripley? No. She said that Harvey Weinstein wanted Ben Affleck to play Shakespeare in that movie. And she said, no, you can't do that. You have to have an English person. And that was one of the fights that they had had. Eventually... Affleck was in the movie, but he was in some other yeah, minor Great character. expectations. It was great expectations. Um, so that's not, oh, it is about the Dickens book, but it's a modern Modern version. day, yeah. She's half naked in the in the publicity photo for it. Not that that had any impact on, on my your love? view of that. I'm sure it didn't hurt. Well, Harvey Weinstein, uh, you remember, was obviously accused of all of these incredibly horrific acts against these women and there was at one point something that she said happened back in 1996 when she started filming emma hated it he summoned her to his hotel room allegedly put his hands on her then asked the young actress for a massage she said it was one really uncomfortable weird experience right and then he was never inappropriate with me again in that way that was his move right Give me a massage. That was his move yeah, that or, he repeated. Or the uh, I'll massage you or, hey, you don't mind if I just come out of the shower with my uh, robe open. Always a strong move. But uh, outside of that hotel experience, she says that there were there were there was nothing any uh, there was no sexual nature to their discrepancy, to their disagreements. It was always business after that point. I love Blythe Danner, her mother. I love her in everything. She's just like the perfect mom character. And she says that Gwyneth says, I remember once my mom walked in the room. I was yelling at him about something on the phone. And she was like, who was that? And when Paltrow said it was Harvey, her mother replied, oh, my goodness. Good for you. Stand up for yourself. And just see her saying that. She said the movie ended up being worth it because it changed my life. Ended up being worth all the fights and the weird massage scene. What is why is this interview a big deal for Variety magazine describing their relationship? If she's a big and she was very young at the time, but if she's the face considered to be the face of Miramax, which were her words, she said that she felt like she was the public face of the company. Of course, she's going to have disagreements with the guy who is really the one who is pulling the strings when it comes to money on this. There were discussions about whether or not she was going to get the back end compensation for the movie Emma and said that she continually had to pressure him to do that. Of, to me, that's one of those, yes, of, that's what happens when you're, when you're a big, powerful actress and that's a big, powerful producer. You're going to go back and forth about how much money each one of you is going to get when one of these movies is successful. 
not quite sure I understand why Gwyneth Paltrow is in this Harvey Weinstein uh, circle, especially in the context of how many other women have horrific stories to tell about this guy. She had a couple other nuggets of of interest in this interview. Um, one of it was Jack Nicholson had had asked her out years before he was the one to give her her Oscar in 1999 for Shakespeare in Love. Also, that the Hillary Clinton loved um, Shakespeare in Love. That she ditched a scheduled engagement to sit through the entire film at its New York premiere. And Gwyneth Paltrow said, "I think it made up for Bill Clinton falling asleep during Emma in the White House." He took a long nap right there in the middle, she said with a laugh. She also talked about when she actually won her Oscar. Jack Nicholson was the one who presented it to her. And she said that was weird because years before. Why is it that Jack Nicholson thinks he can go out with girls that are I know. I was just going to Google the age difference. That's got to be a 40-year age difference. Jack Nicholson is 81. And she's 46. You know her age. Or she will be 46. I think she's 46. You're like, she'll be 46 on April 15th at 320. June is her birthday. Uh, She is 46, and her birthday is in September. Dang it! Well, I'm going to have to pull those cards back then. I've been sending them to her on the wrong day. (laughs) All right, coming up next, we talk trending on Gary and Shannon. Shannon. Bottom of the hour is when we do Swamp Watch. Check in on Washington, D.C. Roger Stone has been ordered to appear in front of a judge after he put her picture on Instagram with a little crosshair thing in the background. I don't think it's a threat, but it was a stupid move on his part. Coming up next hour, we're going to dive into a Playboy interview from 1971 because that's what we're doing now. We're going back through time and retroactively crucifying people for the way they spoke 40 years ago. People are saying John Wayne is a racist. Well, John Wayne's been dead for 40 years, so you can say whatever the hell you want about John Wayne. I don't... I just think it's a really bad place to be in when we're putting everything through the 2019 scope. But... Are they going to take away his uh, Lifetime Achievement Award when uh, the Oscars come around on Sunday? They, like, ban his movies from Hulu? Man. What else is going on? Time for What's Happening. Bernie Sanders is back in it. He has released his campaign video. It's a real juggernaut. Really amazed a lot of people with the announcement. I am going to run for president. That's correct. What's going to be different this time? We're going to win. Mm. Good luck with that. Excuse me. This is a very crowded field that he is entering. It is a very diverse field. And as we mentioned earlier in this show, a lot of the people running have taken his talking points and made them their own. Repackaged them in a shinier, uh, more accomplished, perhaps, little package. Now, the thing is, he's the I think he's the 12th person officially to run for uh, the Democratic nomination if you add up the ages of all the other 11, they don't add up to his age. 
Senator John Morlock out of Orange County has introduced a bill that would do away with speed limits for certain lanes on the 5 and the 99 in order to reduce air pollution and greenhouse gases. These new lanes would have no maximum speed limit. The other lanes would still ban drivers from going more than 65 hour, uh, miles an hour. So they would build two additional traffic lanes on the north and southbound lanes of the 5 and 99. I uh, would wonder if you have to separate them because people would be flying by. You'd have to separate them from the rest of traffic. Like not just a carpool lane, but a carpool lane separated by a wall or something like that. It sounds like a terrible idea. Well, you know. Sports. Hot takes. Hot takes. Manny Machado is going to the San Diego Padres, $300 million in, uh, I guess what a lot of people are saying is a surprise. They were talking about him going to the White Sox. Listen, this guy, this guy is a giant a-hole. He's if a, you, such a not a great team player if either. You can go on, if you can go on YouTube and find a video of your favorite player acting like a complete jerk, there are entire videos of Manny Machado acting like an apple. I understand these 10-year deals are the new thing that everybody wants, um, but I don't see him being worth $300 million. And I know it's a big fish for the Padres to land, but still I don't think he's worth that price tag. Bryce Harper's worth that kind of money. And now Bryce Harper, because of this deal, is going to get a uh, a lot more. Uh, there was a, a funny tweet today in response to this Manny Machado signing with the Padres. It said, today's headline, Machado signs with Padres. Tomorrow's headline, Padres eat $160 million of the deal to get rid of Machado. Because they know down the road. It's just gonna... I, it's just such a weird fit because of the Padres' personality and who they are to get one of the league's biggest a-holes. Oh, th- so in uh, spring training in uh, Tampa, I believe it is, where the, the Yankees do their spring training, some cameraman for, uh, for uh, SNY, the sports network there that carries the Yankees, Interviewed some people in the crowd in front of, you know, one of their practices today. And this little kid took the uh, <laughs> took the opportunity to make his name for himself. Why not? Doesn't ha- who pe- parented that kid? <laughs> just doesn't happen. Oh man! Just oh man! Uh, so glad I didn't make uh, babies. The sad news out of, of baseball is that Don Newcomb died. Don Newcomb, ninety-two years old. This was a guy six four, two twenty-five. Not only a terror on the mound, but at the plate as well. First of only two players in baseball history to win Rookie of the Year, MVP, and Cy Young Award winners. The Dodgers. Did a great baseball does it better than anybody else. The Dodgers did a great job honoring Don Newcomb over the last several years. Uh, he was at Dodger Stadium a handful of times. He was one of those guys who, while playing, lost a couple of years of his baseball career to his military service, and was one of the very few who sort of bridged the gap between uh, the Brooklyn Dodgers and the LA Dodgers. And was just just a fantastic character and a fantastic guy. So that sucks. Good, a good sense of humor too. 
that not a lot of people knew about. Uh, one of the other deaths today was Carl uh, Lagerfeld from Chanel. Somewhere around 85 years old is the only, that's as close as we get to an official age for that guy. He, if you want to procrastinate today, you can go down the Google hole of his famous quotes because he had, a, I, I heard it described today as an acid tongue. <laughs> I mean, he had some real gems but was largely responsible for taking Chanel that was in a bad place and giving it new life. And just a character. I mean, in terms of who he was, every time you saw him, he was And that's where you you take a lot of your fashion moves from from his catalog. I do. In terms of your collars. Yeah. Um, My uh, ostensible jewelry. mm Mm-hmm. Not the right adjective. John Wayne's trending uh, today. Like we said, he is under fire 40 years after he died um, for a what's being called racist and homophobic Playboy interview he did in 1971 when he was 63 years old. Asinine. We're going to go back through all the famous people through 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 all of time and put all of their remarks that are on the record through the scope of 2019 and then sully up their names? Is that what we're doing now? Hey, and I don't like to do this because I don't think this is necessarily the right argument, but if you believe that the, the United States of America is racist in 2019, which it, there are, yes, not saying it's gone, but there are places in this world that are so much more racist, blatantly, outwardly, on the streets racist than the United States of America. So for us to go back to 1971 to find a guy like this who used language that at the very at the very least was insensitive. You don't need to go back in time to shine a light on rampant we, racism. And people think it's like just like third world countries. Like a lot of Western Europe is terribly exactly. racist. Exactly. But... Not good no matter what. Yeah. LeBron James is... Who? Uh, Who? LeBron James. Not familiar with that guy. Plays for a little team called the Lakers. Also not in a Los thing. Angeles. You're making yeah. things up. Uh, he's getting into music. Hold on. He's uh, taking why his... he came to L.A., not to play basketball. Shouldn't he be worried about things like not getting, getting back into on the, the playoffs? Court? Yeah. No, here's the... He never came to L.A. to win anything. No, he, he came knew. here for this. Yes. He came here because of the business opportunities in Los Angeles. We have uh, a whole series of good terror in the sky stories to tell you about. Uh, would we say good? Yes. The guy taking his pants off and walking around his Could box Could you imagine? Well, I don't know why the flight attendants don't do anything like, excuse me, sir. Put your damn <laughs> pants on. Gary For Shannon. the love of God. We'll continue in just a moment. But if you close your eyes, does it almost feel like nothing changed at all? And if you close your eyes, does it almost feel like you've been here before? How am I going to be an optimist about this? How am I going to be an optimist about this? We I meant to get to the story about the beagle raising the possum, but we ran out of time. Mm. So maybe coming up in the one o'clock hour. We shoehorn it in there. Yeah. It is a good, it's a fun story. It is. Uh, we'll talk more at 1230 in Swamp Watch about Bernie Sanders back in the race. He has decided that he will run again for president. In an email to his supporters, he today said the campaign is about transforming our country. 
creating a government based on the principles of economic, social, racial, environmental justice. Um, and Jesse Smollett has apparently been written out of uh, several scenes in the uh, current episode of Empire that is filming in Chicago right now. They haven't really decided what they're going to do, but we know that in the last couple of days he's been non-existent in terms of he hasn't come out. There's uh, TV cameras, paparazzi staked out next to his apartment complex, and he hasn't made a, an appearance. Oh, forgot to mention this. Cardi B says she's very disappointed in Jesse Smollett and feels like he effed up Black History Month. So. Well, I've got a couple stories here that are uh, aviation-related and do qualify as terror in the skies. Flight 209, you are cleared for takeoff. Roger. Get off my plane. Roger, Roger. What's our vector, Victor? Enough is enough! I have had it with these monkey-fighting snakes on this Monday to Friday plane! It's Gary and Shannon's Terror in the Skies on KFI. Well, we'll start with a JetBlue flight from Fort Lauderdale to Vegas. There is video. And appears this young woman had a couple of pops in the airport bar in Fort Lauderdale. She is throwing a tantrum. She is on the phone trying to state her case to somebody. Her headphones are in. And it all started, apparently, when... She said, I'm not sitting next to an effing three-year-old. I've been drinking all day. <laughs> oh, you want to f***ing tape me make this viral, bitches? <laughs> I didn't do anything wrong. What did I do? What did I do? What did I do? Yo, someone make this viral. You want me this viral? Make it viral. What the f*** did I do? I called someone old because they were? All right, I'll get my bag. And okay, she's falling down. I love it. And her sunglasses are flying off her head. <laughs> did you hear? Did you hear her spit? And then you hear a mom say to their kid, "Did she just spit on you?" Yeah. Yeah. She spit on one of the passengers. Well, she was a real treat. Oh. A real treat. You can check it all out. Uh, Blake found the video. He just didn't take it, but he found look. the video. We put it up on the website. If you want to go to KFIAM 640com Where, Where'd you say the flight started? Fort Lauderdale. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. But on its way to Vegas. To it's the be other way around. fair, a day in Fort Lauderdale does call for some cocktails. Just to take the pain away. All you had to say was Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh. Uh, A large scorpion was also caught crawling out of an overhead luggage compartment by a Lion Air passenger in Indonesia. No, thank you. On Valentine's Day of all days. No, thank you. Yes. Air France flight, Paris to Los Angeles. There was a girl on Twitter, Lizzie Thompson, who chronicled her adventures on this flight. It is a lengthy one, and she says... The man in the seat across from me has taken his pants off for the flight. It is just in his boxers. Flight attendants seem unconcerned. This is going to be a long flight. And then there's a picture of him. And he's in plaid boxers, Mm -hmm. like dad boxers. And his hairy legs are just hanging out. Well, hold on. I mean, it's gross. You can't say it like that. I don't need to see how much body hair on people when I'm on a flight. Like, I shouldn't be able to see any of your body hair unless it's on your head. What if I'm wearing shorts? I don't enjoy. Okay, fine. Shorts. Are fine, I mean, you're going to see his shorts are, but his boxer shorts are Larry Bird shorts. Oh yeah, they're, you can see 
more than necessary. And I didn't need to see your leg hair just now for you to 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 show what <laughs> it looks like when you're wearing shorts. You know what it looks like. Then she tweeted, "He also has removed his socks." And this happens. A picture of so that. this happens when I'm on the uh, the 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 Chargers flight. Mm-hmm. Um, they take off their pants. Take off their. There's a number of guys. What? Can you bring me with you next time? That take wow. off their socks. I'm not talking about players. I don't know if the players take off their socks. Mm-hmm. I'm not up there. But there's a number of people that take off. Like where you are back in steerage. Do we get a thirst meter on that people, though. No. What, what does that mean? Thirst meter. Could you take me on the flight? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. It just, it's high. It just pinged. There's no shame in Monica's game. No, uh, then, at all. <laughs> then Lizzie uh, tweeted about this guy that had taken his pants off and his socks off. He just shouted at a man who boarded with a ukulele, also have questions, to come sit with me and make some music. WTF is going on. The guy also uh, took some some wines from the cart. Oh, yeah. He stood up, took four mini bottles of wine, fell asleep. Six hours in, he got so cold that he put on his puffy jacket. But no pants. Not his pants, but his puffy jacket. You know, some guys need some room to spread out. It's like Gary Hoffman playing pool. Nobody spreads out like that. I just like a low base. Swamp watch when we come back. I mean... (laughs) It's a more stable platform. When there's not a lot platform. of room to move around an establishment, you need to move your ass from the aisle and put it closer to the pool table. Look all- <gasps> who's talking. Did he win, though? No. Oh. Well, well, I did some of them. Remember that one ball that you shot? Because these tables were so bad that pretty, that one that one shot that took the, a U-turn. It was rolling <laughs> along the bumper, like kissed up against the bumper, rolling into the corner pocket, and about six inches before it gets there, it makes a left turn. Yeah, it was and everybody hilarious. in the room was like, <laughs> "What the? Oh my hell? God!" Maybe if your ass was in closer to the table, it wouldn't have done that. Oh, well, Monica, maybe. Monica I'm, I'm the latest. Not. Let me just say, I get points for not saying that. You almost left yourself wide open. Gary and Shannon, Chicago police investigating a tip that on the night of that alleged attack on the Empire actor, Jesse Smollett... But he was in an elevator with those two guys. Yeah, they beat him up. Oh, you mean not on the street when they beat him up? You mean maybe they planned this thing? This is only getting worse for Jesse Smollett. Only getting worse. Remember, he's never the man that's not the man. He's never going to be the man. What was it? That this did not man. happen to. I love a double negative in Blake, the morning. Throw me this computer and I'll see if I can play Jesse right there. And see I will never be that. the man yeah. that this did not happen to. I love a double negative. Makes sense. By the way, uh, Tom Brady's life is over most likely because. Well, his career. The FDA is warning against buying young people's blood in an attempt to fight aging and other diseases. The FDA put out a statement saying, simply put, We're concerned that some patients are being preyed upon by unscrupulous actors Mm -hmm. touting treatments of plasma from from young donors as cures and remedies. So what's he going to do now? Well, 
I suppose you couldn't buy it, but if you have kids you, just in an attempt to harvest their blood every once in a while, then right, maybe right. maybe he'll get away with it. It's time for Swamp yeah, Watch. Mm-hmm, Get it? Yeah. DC. Now, uh, drain the swamp. <laughs> We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Swamp Watch. Well, in the announcement that was anticipated, much anticipated, shall I say. Bernie Sanders is in it for 2020. Oh, I knew it! Wants to complete the revolution. Yeah, he's going to pick up where he left off, Left off, he says. This campaign, John, is a continuation of what we did in 2016. Many of the ideas that I talked about, Medicare for all, raising the minimum wage uh, to $15 an hour, uh, making hour. public colleges and universities tuition-free, all of those ideas, people say, oh, Bernie, they're so radical. They are extreme. The American people just won't accept those ideas. Well, you know what's happened in over three years? All of those ideas and many more are now part of the political mainstream. Uh, That's right. That's and right. there's other people peddling your wares that look a hell of a lot more like America than you do as a 77-year-old white guy. He's got a diversity problem, and it was a problem for him four years ago. It was a problem in his staff. Uh, there was a problem with uh, people on his staff getting a little handsy with uh, some of the women on a staff. A problem uh, not getting African-American votes as well. Um, he apparently is far ahead of the rest of the pack and trailing over Joe Biden in early polls. However, wonder what's well, he's got the name recognition that uh, Kamala Harris doesn't have yet. Bernie does? Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that he has in his favor, or at least not holding him back, is that Debbie Wasserman Schultz is no longer the head of the DNC, and Hillary Clinton is no longer the nominee, or is no longer the opponent for the nomination. This guy got such uh, his pants handed to him by that whole mechanism that I I don't know if he's under the impression that he has a shot in hell at winning the nomination, but he doesn't. I think he probably thinks that... Had it not been for the DNC machine forcing Hillary down everyone's throats, that he would have uh, he would have performed much better. But if you look at the number of people who are now, I think it's up to eleven. The Fox has a picture of all twenty twenty contenders up there, and they have eleven names that are up there. The major, I would at least half of them have better numbers, I think, than Bernie Sanders does. At least going into it, one of them happens to be Elizabeth Warren, who was in town. Last night, as a matter of fact, she was in Glendale bringing her message of what she calls big structural change. She talked about government-funded child care and early learning to this big crowd at the Alex Theater over there in Glendale. And this is uh, one of the reasons that she's even here and not Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, a place like that, is because we have an earlier primary this year than than, – than we have in the past, up to uh, early March of next year. So it's going to be much more important, and the chances, or we have the potential to see a lot more actual attention from some of these early candidates than we've seen in the past. President went after California's high-speed rail project on Twitter, saying that it costs uh, hundreds more. Hundreds, hundreds of times. What did he say? Yeah, hundreds of times more than what he needs for the wall. Right. And I so. believe the uh, high-speed rail price tag, while ridiculous, is about $77 million. That's not hundreds of times more than the 
seven billion. He also went after it's the, eleven times. Is it eleven? Seven, yeah, yeah. eleven times. The uh, he also went after the state's attorney general, who have decided that they will sue over the border emergency plan, led of course by Javier Becerra. I think the problem. You don't have to be a fan of Javier Becerra. I do think they're going to win in this case. I do think that the Supreme Court is going to have a, have trouble with a national emergency declaration that brings with it reallocation of funds that yeah. were already spent or at least earmarked by Congress. That, that's what's going to hold it up. Yeah. Not whether or not the president has the right to declare a national emergency. That's in the law. And the law itself doesn't actually explain what has to go into a national emergency, what constitute, it constitutes it. That's up to the president. It's whether or not this then can allow the president to violate the separation of powers when it comes to spending money that was allocated somewhere else. New congressional report out about nuclear power technology and the senior White House officials who wanted to share said technology with Saudi Arabia, despite what national security experts had warned. Lawmakers from both parties worried that the Saudis could develop nuclear weapons if the U.S. technology were transferred without proper safeguards. This was all about an investigation that started in the House Oversight Committee into claims by several unnamed whistleblowers who said that they'd witnessed what they called abnormal acts in the White House regarding to the proposal to to build dozens of uh, nuclear reactors across the Middle East, across Saudi Arabia. According to this report from Congress, this effort was pushed by... Now disgraced former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn. Remember, he was the one who was lying, of course, about his contacts with Russians. Uh, Derek Harvey, a National Security Council official brought in by Flynn, continued to work on the proposal uh, that has been under consideration since it started and apparently is still under consideration by the White House about giving nuclear technology to Saudi Arabia. Not a great place to put it. We come back. We're going to talk more about what Michael Cohen is expected to say when he goes before Congress and the latest about Roger Stone told to show up in court after he posted on Instagram a picture of the judge in his case. Not a great idea. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. Shannon, some uh, sports headlines that you'll see today. Manny Machado played with the Dodgers for a minute last season. He's going to the Padres. Ten years, $300 million. A ridiculous amount of money to pay an apple like that. See if he produces anything. The other story, unfortunately, the death of a longtime Dodger, Don Newcomb. One of the greatest pitchers that the, that the Dodgers ever had. Dead at the age of 92. There was a crazy jet stream that uh, that meant for record-breaking speeds. There was a flight from L.A. to London that reached 801 miles per hour. Yeah, 787-9, a twin jet. They said in the past had flown at speeds up to 776. The ordinary cruising speed is... 561 miles an hour. Wow. But because of the, the jet stream 
behind it, basically, pushed it up to 801. The jet captain, Peter James, said, I've never seen this kind of tailwind in my life as a commercial pilot. It's like uh, Finding Nemo when they get in, like when Crush and all the other turtles get in. Very similar. I don't think they reached uh, 800 miles an hour. That'd be crazy. Michael Cohen. The president's former fixer, personal attorney, will testify to Congress about a whole whole cornucopia of fun. <laughs> Listen. He's going to talk about the president's character. He's going to reveal attitudes held by Trump. I don't want to hear from Michael Cohen. I just want him to go away and go to prison. Uh, oh, I want to hear all of it because I think it's going to be uh, – I think it's going to be fun to listen it to. It will be popcorn worthy. Yes. I will say that. But there's a point. There, I just feel like we've we've spent way too much time on Michael Cohen. Uh, he has said, Lanny Davis, his attorney, said that he won't talk to lawmakers about what he told the Mueller investigation. But he said Cohen will reveal how Trump is bigoted, treats people badly, and talk about He's heard the, the the president say disparaging things about black people behind closed doors. Now, Lanny Davis says that Michael Cohen's testimony is probably going to sway more voters than any investigation of Trump. That's putting a whole lot of importance on a guy that a lot of people think is just a weasel to begin with. And the idea that he's going to be able to change people's public – well, the perception of – Somebody like Donald Trump, I think, is uh, Michael, pretty, pretty highfalutin. Michael Cohen, I don't trust at all. I think that he is a man made of lies and poor character, but I think it's going to be entertaining. I'm not saying that we're going to get anything truthful or, or, or new, even. Or new, but I think it's going to be entertaining. Uh, the president, by the way, did deny a report that he had been asking a former acting attorney general to put an ally of his in the attorney's office, U.S. attorney's office, that was in charge of looking into Michael Cohen. There was a New York Times report that was published earlier that said that the president asked then-acting Attorney General Matthew Whitaker to put U.S. Attorney Jeffrey Berman in charge of the investigation. And the way the president shot it down today was, I don't know who gave you that. That's just fake news. Uh, Roger Stone, federal judge, ordered Roger Stone to appear in court to consider whether or not to revoke his bail. Judge Amy Berman Jackson said that uh, he has to show up for this hearing sometime today, sometime this afternoon, and prove why she shouldn't modify or even revoke his, uh, revoke his bail or implement a full gag order in the case. This Be- is not a judge that you want to screw around with. Well, no. She is extremely uh, true to her word when she says that she will F you up if you, uh, if you violate this order. He posted a picture on his Instagram account yesterday which was a picture of Judge Berman Jackson with what appeared to be a crosshairs near her head. I saw the picture. I don't think it has anything to do with her being targeted. It's not a crosshairs like you'd see on a weapon, although I understand how it could be interpreted that way. Trust me, I'm not making excuses for Roger Stone, but it was kind of a leap. It was a stupid thing for him to post anyway. Why do you... Why are you taking to Instagram to blast the judge who's clearly going to be the one who decides your fate over these next few months? But he said the photo was misinterpreted. It was a random photo taken from the Internet. And any suggestion that he was trying to threaten the judge was categorically false. She has she pushed or instituted a limited gag order, which would have prevented Roger Stone from talking about his case near the courthouse 
and generally bars any of the lawyers, prosecutors, whatever, from making any public comments that could pose a substantial likelihood of prejudicing prejudicing potential jurors. But it was only that limited gag order. So on Friday when this was pushed, the judge said it was necessary to maintain the dignity and seriousness of the courthouse and these proceedings. And all he did was go and step on her toes. That is not a – do not poke the bear, dumbass. Not when you're the one who's looking at federal prison time. Can we isolate that? Do not poke the bear, <laughs> yeah. dumbass. That was good. I enjoyed that. Coming up next, the latest on the Jesse Smollett attack investigation. It looks like Chicago police are now trying to find the man who called them today and said, hey, you know what? I saw Jesse in the elevator of his building with those two guys on the night that he says he was attacked. Only getting worse for Jesse Smollett. Yeah, it's not good. And now he's got a felony looking when, at, in his. Huh? When do you think this hits the fan? What do you mean? I mean, either he comes out and says this was a horrible mistake or the Chicago Police Department says we have issued an arrest warrant. For well, Justice I think Smollett. that they're going to move it through the grand jury and that they will choose to indict him or not on filing a false police report. I also think that now that Mark Garrigus is getting involved in his defense, that Mark Garrigus is going to put the entire Chicago Police Department on trial. Oh, great. Because that's what he does. <laughs> We'll continue with more on this when we come back to Gary and Shannon. Do not poke the bear, dumbass. Exactly. Oh, that's my new favorite. Yeah, it's pretty good. Life advice. <laughs> you know... Lauren's birthday was on Saturday, and you forgot to sing to her on Friday. We Wouldn't you think I'm a girl? Breaking news. Girl who has. Oh, right. We did have breaking news. Well, you could I do a make, a make good right Maybe now. Maybe next Friday. Maybe this Friday. Her this birthday's Friday. come and gone, though. It was Saturday. So. She'll have another one. Trust me. Wow. Oh. It took us a month to get Gary's birthday pizza, so. It's true. It did. Yeah. See? So I'm hurt as well. Even Dennis didn't take me a month to bake a cake for me. Well, that's because you had something going on. He wasn't going to waste any time. <laughs> we have uh, been following a bunch of stories. Bernie Sanders back into it. The Vermont senator has decided that he's going to run for president once again. Uh, made the announcement today. 16 states now filed that lawsuit against the president and the administration's emergency declaration to fund this wall at the U.S.-Mexico border. Next segment, we're going to get into this story and tell you why John Wayne is trending. This, uh, I guess in 1971, if we had Twitter, this would have been a big deal. But we're now 30, 48 years later, someone wants to say that John Wayne was a racist and a bigot, which I'm not going to argue that he wasn't, but it was 58 years, 48 years ago. If we're going to go through all the racists and bigots in, oh, yeah, in the yeah. past, we're going to be very busy as a people. Busy. All right. Uh, Jesse Smollett, the story that will not go away because the man continued to lie and lie, deny, deny. Jason Nathanson is covering this for us, our entertainment correspondent. Jason, how are you? Well, now I'm busy thinking about John Wayne on Twitter and mm. what he would have been writing. <laughs> Probably not much because he was the strong silent type, but... He would have used little letters. Yeah, little, probably. Yeah. Emojis. Yeah. 
Uh, Jesse Smollett, now, what are, what are some of the late developments that we know today about this case? Okay, the recent stuff today is that the FBI and the U.S. Postal Inspection Service are on the case. They're looking at this letter that was uh, apparently sent to Jesse Smollett, uh, the letter which we found out after the beating but was apparently sent before uh, the alleged beating, um, uh, which was a threatening letter sent to him on the set of Empire. Now they're looking at to whether or not this letter was sent by Smollett himself, uh, if he had anything to do with it, because the brothers, who are the persons of interest uh, in the case, they had said that the the letter had something to do with Smollett either being unhappy that it it didn't get enough attention, that people weren't uh, rattled enough or paying enough attention after this letter arrived on set, so that's when maybe this plan was hatched to uh, to fake this beating. So the FBI is looking into that letter, um, but uh, we don't know yet if, if Smollett had anything to do with it. And then also there's this story today Day, uh, from a couple sources, TMZ and Deadline uh, being the most prominent, saying that re- production is back at work. They're, everybody's back at work on Empire, but Smollett is pretty much nowhere to be found, that they're busy writing him out of scenes uh, and really cutting and slashing his character's involvement on the show, uh, be, at least while this whole thing is going on. Apparently, you know, it, you can imagine that he would be a distraction to have on set right now. A lot of people are speculating, as you've been saying, that uh, that this was potentially made up, um, casting doubt on his story. I think Michael Avenatti is the only – sorry for saying that name out loud, but he's the only one who's come out specifically and said Jussie Smollett made up this hate crime. Yeah, I mean, we don't have – you know, we, we have reports, we have sources – uh, we know that this is what the police are looking into because of what these brothers have said. The brothers have told the cops that this was that they were hired or whatever to stage this attack. Uh, but police have said that they haven't confirmed that yet. And nobody's saying that that's officially the case. That's just what the brothers are saying. Smollett's attorneys have continued to deny his involvement. Uh, but uh, they're, they, I guess police wanted to meet with him maybe yesterday for whatever reason. That couldn't happen. Seems like it could be an easy thing. Just get him in there. Uh, but it couldn't happen. And I guess they're still waiting to meet with him. I don't believe they met with him as of today. They've met with him in the past. But, of course, as, this, as things develop, they want to question him further. And if he's not under arrest in the case, I guess they can't compel him to come in and, and meet with him. Jason, I watched the first season of Empire. I enjoyed it, but I, you know, sometimes you just fall out um, of things after a season or so. Where Where is this show? And uh, is it, I mean, is it going to be many seasons that it has? Is it nearing the end? And what would they do with his character if, if they decided to get rid of him? There were definitely, I mean, uh, I would say at least a season or two, maybe more of the show could have been possible. I mean, it's not, when it first launched, it was a ratings uh, phenomenon. I mean, it, it, it was pulling in numbers that we hadn't seen on network TV in quite a while. And that, after this first season, dropped off. I think a lot of people like you just stopped watching. Uh, I, I did as well as... You know, it seemed like it wasn't that big of a deal, but it's still a, a solid show for Fox. Fox, which doesn't have a lot of hits. Fox also, which is in turmoil right now with the whole uh, selling to ABC, and, and they're losing a lot of their shows that they have ownership on. Um, and so this is one of them. You know, they don't want to get rid of a lot of hits. They've got The Simpsons, and they got you know Family Guy, and basically this. 
and the masked singer so they don't really have they they want to keep around the shows that are doing well for them and this is one of them so empire was was going to be a stable in fox's uh arsenal for for quite a while uh i don't know what this does to the show because i don't know if this this could either hurt the ratings or help the ratings it could make people want to tune in again because there's so much attention around it or it could turn people off to the show and say eh, we don't want to watch that show that was associated with this guy uh so i don't know where the show goes from here you know as for smollett's character honestly i don't know i haven't been watching the show but he, he's not the one of the central two to the show so they could get rid of him if they wanted to yeah i was going to say or they change the storyline completely for the last few episodes and write this into the storyline i mean write this uh, potential something like this happening in the show I know they're on break right now, and they haven't started sort of the second half of their season. I don't know when the, the, they're supposed to start it up again. I think it only helps the ratings just out of curiosity. Yeah, I, I think that you will see a little bit of that bump. And it's I mean, we've seen Law & Order certainly rip off headlines, but I don't know that we've seen a show actually rip off its own headlines. <laughs> incorporate what's, what's actually been going on you know, behind the scenes on the show into the actual show which could be a smart move. And if any show were going to do it, Empire would be a kind of show that could do it because it's on Fox. It's already a pretty racy, outlandish, out-there kind of show. So if anyone was going to do it, it could be them. But, you know, we'll have to see. Again, they're back at production today. Uh, so they're going to be – they have a little while before we see some new episodes. Jason, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Jason Nathanson there. Over the hill, tell us what's going on in the Hollywood portion of this. Now – you mentioned earlier that Mark Garagas has apparently stepped on mm-hmm. to sort of helping out Jesse Smollett in his defense. Yeah. Mark was on, I call him Mark, Mark Garagas was on CNN last night and floated this potential theory. I generally uh, resist, as you know, over the years, uh, anytime you start to get law enforcement drip, drip, drip leaks, mm. that to me is a telltale sign that something else is going on here. Um, I don't for a minute believe And I think it's ludicrous to believe that the police tracked these two down through the grainy photograph. I don't think that's what happened. Mm. In fact, I think that the cooperation of Smollett is precisely why they have these two. My my guess would be is they find their phone numbers. They know that they have a connection. And they arrested two guys and they put them in custody for two days because there was an enormous amount of pressure to solve the crime. Does that mean Smollett... Was in was in uh, kind of in cahoots with them. I don't. I I, I haven't seen anything except except for the testimony or the that screams out somebody. The information that the brothers told police that he paid them, (laughs) Mark, to be in on the attack. Furthermore, Garrigus, the thing is. The reason there were leaks from the police department is because Chicago police knew this was bogus from go. But they are in such a delicate PR crisis mode that they could not say that until it was fully investigated. And they got these guys and they got these guys to roll on Jesse. And by the way, he mentioned, I don't think they picked him out from that grainy photograph. No, they didn't. They couldn't. There's no way you could recognize two men based on the grainy surveillance video uh, photo of that thing. No, but there's other police work that is done. Rideshare information. That's the one I heard is that they were able to track down Uber, Lyft receipts, whatever, for that specific area at that time of night and found out that one of these two guys hired a car to drop them off there. That's not difficult. Mark's better than that. No, he's not. John Wayne in a 1971 Playboy interview, now under fire all over Twitter. Wait, did you say 1971? 
Yes. And furthermore, John Wayne died before I was born. <laughs> so we're going to go back 500 years. Is someone going to, like, dig up John Wayne and beat him up for being a bigot? I'll bet you a dead John Wayne could still Twitter's put up a pretty be, good fight. Twitter is going to be very busy if uh, if if it's going to go after everyone who was a bigot in the past. That's all Twitter's going to be. Bad place. Twitter is a bad place. Cesspool is what it is. Gary and Channel will continue just a moment. <laughs> Gary and Shannon. Slate.com put out quite the article about opposition research and how things have changed and what is gotcha type of fines these days in 2019 versus what it was even five years ago. I think this would qualify as gotcha material, perhaps. Somebody has unearthed a Playboy magazine interview of John Wayne from 1971. Somebody has put excerpts from it on Twitter so that people can be outraged. One Twitter user writing, Seeing John Wayne complain about seeing gay relationships in movies and accusing diverse roles as tokenism pretty much tells me S hasn't changed one bit. Now, I'm not trying to white-splain any of this away. John Wayne was a racist and a bigot. But things have changed. changed. Wow. I mean, this kind of thinking was... As, as I saw it written up today, par for the course for someone born in 1907 in Iowa. Yeah, and having grown up uh, with the name Marion for a long time, I mean, that would, that would put anybody in a bad, on the bad side, perhaps. It, was it correct thinking? No. No. Are we, are we trying to hold up John Wayne as some great American hero? No. Wait a minute. The actor that was John Wayne and the roles that he played were iconic. He was a the great person, actor. The person, John Wayne. But how many times did we see that? We said that with sports people all yeah, the time. I know. We don't know these people. We, we're entertained by them. Mo, Mo we, Kelly we says it all the time. We don't know these people. The yeah. people that we go watch um, at the theater, the people we go watch on Sundays at the stadium, we have no idea. You know, we are we are cheering them on. We are big fans of them. We are fans of their work. But you don't really know who these people are. And then sometimes they sit down with Playboy magazine and they do an interview and they unleash a torrent of dirty racist things. And you wish that they would just play the guy in the movies. He At one point, this interviewer for Playboy asks about uh, ratings, systems, etc. And he talks about, John Wayne talks about, the junk that the studios were cranking out at the time, and remember, this is a t- this is a guy who's who was cranking out movies at a record pace. In the lead up in the interview, it explains that John Wayne made the list of top ten box office attractions for nineteen consecutive years and made movies that at the time were worth over four hundred million dollars to his studios. And he's talking about the kind of junk the studios had been cranking out, jacked up prices they're charging for the privilege of seeing it, the average family staying home and watching television. I'm quite sure that within two or three years, Americans will be completely fed up with these perverted films. 
So the guy says, what do you mean by perverted? And he talks about two men in Midnight Cowboy, uh, Easy Rider. He says, don't get me wrong. As far as a man and woman is concerned, I'm awfully happy that there's a thing called sex. It's an extra something God gave us. I see no reason why it shouldn't be in pictures. Healthy, lusty sex is wonderful. Then goes on into talking about how it could be depicted in in movies and and then uh, diversity in Hollywood and whether or not he as a director would make sure that the racial demographic makeup of his crew reflected what we saw in society. Actors say stupid racist crap all the time. If you uh, if you weren't around, Google Mel Gibson Malibu Jews. All right. I just think that there are things to lose your mind over on Twitter or elsewhere that aren't things that that you can't do anything about or or about uh, actors who died 40 something years ago. Yeah. And, and what, what are you what are you going to get out of being irate about crap John Wayne said in 1971 when he was 63 years old? How does that further uh, us? How does that make the country better? And And, and to say. And I don't know who this Twitter user was, and I'm not a big fan of taking one tweet and thinking it's gospel or indicative of any more than one person's opinion. But saying that not one thing has changed is just patently false and dangerous. And it's it's frustrating. It's sad. Yeah. Because if if nothing has changed, Playboy would never print this stuff today. No. Ever. And the idea that you're going to go back into 1971, uh, if, if there's a – funny is not the right word. There's an enlightening, perhaps, uh, meme that continues to go around, and it's like uh, – it was from the, I don't know, Good Housekeeping from 1938. And it's like how a, how a woman can keep a good home, something like that. Yes. And have, have everything ready have for your man. When, ready. Yes, yes. Have a drink poured and, yes. uh, and Do your put makeup. on some makeup and yes. some heels uh-huh. and make yourself presentable for your man when he comes home. That we are in a very different world in 2019 than we were in 1971, let alone 1939. You cannot put everything through the 2019 lens. It's just not fair. You don't like. You don't want to like your memory of John Wayne. That's fine. Help. The guy's dead. You're not. You're not offending him by calling him a racist. But it is offensive to say that nothing has changed in 48 years. Playboy doesn't even print naked pictures of women anymore. Wait. What? They show boobies. Oh, they do. I thought that they were done with the naked pictures. Maybe the full nudes. Did you just weigh in, Blake? Yeah, what did, I want to know I, what I Blake couldn't hear had what to say you about said, Playboy But I'd love magazine. to hear what you have to say. John and Pam are listening. They back. They that went was, back. It was in the news uh, like a few months ago that they realized that you it heard wasn't it. Is that where you working. found out? There was a guy who told you that? Yeah. A guy named Monica Ricks, maybe. <laughs> wow. Um yeah, but wasn't that what they said? Was they weren't making any money without all the nakedness, so they went back to the nakedness. What? No money and not nakedness. <laughs> all of the dirt in 2019. What qualifies as dirt? Speaking of, and how it is that the political opposition researchers have uh, changed their game over the last couple of years. When's the last time you saw a Playboy? Don't answer that. <laughs> like on the stand, or you mean? Yeah, open? like. Uh, no, on the stand is fine. I don't think I've, I can't remember the last time I saw one at like a newsstand or yeah, something like that. Yeah, I know, me neither. They're covered, right? The No, they don't even, they don't put them by the check stands. And I don't even know if, like if you walk into a grocery store, I don't know, I wouldn't. I don't think let, they sell Let me gro- say this, I don't know where I would find one. 
I guess a Seven Eleven. A Barnes and oh, Noble. Oh, maybe. Is there a big magazine rack at Seven Eleven? I don't nowadays? know. I haven't. I don't know. Gary and Shannon, Tuesday, February 19th, we've told you about Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders getting back into the race, said he's going to run for the White House again. He mentioned in an email to supporters today and also made the big announcement on CBS this morning. 16 states, including California, filed a lawsuit against the president and the emergency declaration to fund that wall. And a a handful of uh, notable deaths to tell you about. David Horowitz, the longtime consumer advocate, host of Fight Back on Channel 4 here in L.A., died at the age of 81. Karl Lagerfeld, the designer, German designer, died in Paris at, they think, about 85 years old, although the people who work with him said he would always run you in circles if you asked how old he really was. And then, as you heard Monica mention, uh, Dodgers pitcher Don Newcomb, dead at the age of 92, I think. I seem to remember watching a pregame ceremony just last year or the year before Yes, uh, of he and his wife and Dave Roberts, and I think Jock Peterson was up at home plate with him and everything to, to honor him. But uh, Don Newcomb passed away at the age of 92. There is a whole business of opposition research, people that will comb through a candidate's life and uncover things that are not good. It's changing. Well... It used to be that things that, eh, it's not really a big deal, are now a massive deal. Well, the, the the ones that were the big three, I guess, of political opposition research would have been criminal behavior, like a DUI, uh, drug use, something like that. Hot rails in Pasadena. Hot rails in Pasadena off the back of a hooker. Ties to political extremists. She was a stripper, not a hooker. Or sexual infelicities. Infelicities. Yes. Good word. Thank you. Uh, something that either, you know, that, that old quote, the only thing that could take you down is if you were caught with a... Uh, Dead boy or a live girl? Vice versa. Oh. Dead girl or a live boy. Got it. I think it's all bad, though. All four. Oh, I'm sure. All I like, yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying that uh, <laughs> one would qualify as good dirt, but... Uh, Let's take uh, Bill Chouette as our Exhibit A, shall we? Bill was running for governor in Michigan, Republican. And there was a video clip of him. It's 39 seconds. And you can hear a woman who's off screen asking Bill to move closer to a lamp to his right. They're preparing to tape a TV interview. And he says to her, I would be happy to move closer to the lamp. And then he says, I will do anything you want. Some things I may not let you run the camera on. He doesn't touch her. He doesn't proposition her. He's just kind of creepy, dude. Well, that was released. There was a, a opposition research firm called American Bridge that uncovered that. That clip was released, and it was a week before the election. 
and he lost by more than 400,000 votes. It went everywhere. He, Five years ago, would that have mattered? No. Probably not. But post Me Too? And the thing is, they, they, they not sabotaged, they, um, they surprised him with this because the day after it was released on Twitter, there was a debate scheduled. And, of course, it came up in the debate. And his response was only, I was just trying to, apparently trying to be funny. And that was the only explanation he could give because probably that was the explanation. Although that wasn't enough to satisfy people in a, in a time when you have to pay for something like that. Even though it's a, like you said, he didn't touch her. He didn't explicitly proposition her. made her feel uncomfortable, which is ridiculous and horrible and selfish on his part. And that was apparently enough to sort of seal his fate in this whole thing. I'm a little bit disappointed. I'm looking through this article at Slate, and I see the term sexual infelicities. Mm -hmm. I thought that was your term. Oh. I give you credit for that. Well, I'll still take credit for it. The... Remember in uh, in ninety two. Yes, Bill Clinton. Yes, and that's Pot. exactly what I was going to say. It's it's that was at that point headline generating. Oh my gosh, he's he smoked pot, but he didn't inhale. And now Kamala Harris is like, I get high every day. I get high and I listen to Tupac. <laughs> and it's like it's good for her politically as a Democrat. Uh. Al Franken resigned under duress a couple years ago, if you remember. Of course, everybody was accusing him of groping them as they were posing for photographs or mouth-kissing when it was unwanted. Ted Kennedy, Chris Dodd. You, I mean, listen, the Ted Kennedy thing alone, when you think about what that guy was involved with and, uh, and Chappaquiddick, I mean, there's one thing to be said about we are holding some of our politicians, actors, celebrities accountable for actions that 40 years ago would have been sort of swept under the rug or ignored by the media. I think we're, we are holding people accountable now for things that they should be held accountable like for. Like when a girl dies because you don't phone your affair in quick enough with your car that's sinking. Yeah. Uh, but there's also a point where we can go too far. And, you know, whether where the pendulum ends up, I, I don't know. I don't know where if it settles at some point and we have a clear delineation of what would be a uh, what would be perceived as dirt and what would be perceived as just extremely uh, or embarrassing behavior, but not necessarily enough to disqualify somebody from public office. But it is interesting to see because right now, I mean, we're talking about just a second ago, John Wayne from 1971. Imagine if you said something, God forbid. 20 years ago that you were embarrassed about today and somebody found it. I said things yesterday I'm embarrassed about today. Are you kidding? Probably said things at the beginning of this show that you're embarrassed about. Yeah, Yeah, I did. All right. Coming up next, the best story of the day, the possum and the beagle. It's a story of an unlikely friendship between two different species of animal. You're going to love it. It's a feel-good story. It's nice to end the the show on a feel-good story. Do we like those on this program? Well, yes, except I feel like we always save them for the very end. And then John (laughs) comes in, and he thinks that we've been talking about possums who love beagles all day. I know. I love saving the wacky stuff for him. And I just see this look on his face like, 
They uh. pay you to do this show? <laughs> I just am embarrassed. Give him a cheeseburger. He'll forget all no, about gonna it. No, I'm going to leave my banana peel in the garbage can for him. Oh, It'll well, that's why he's crazy. making that face. <laughs> Gary and Shannon. What is Well, we've got a feel-good story coming to us from Australia, Victoria, Australia. It is a story of interspecies love. See, Molly is a beagle. Molly lives with her owners there in Victoria, Australia, and poor Molly the beagle recently lost her litter of puppies at birth. Now, for days, the owners say that poor Molly was just moping around. Very lethargic. Very unhappy, as one could imagine. And then she met a friend. They don't know how it happened, but one day they find out that Molly the Beagle had picked up a friend. Literally. The friend was on Molly's back. The friend was a baby possum. A baby possum who had apparently been abandoned by its mother. Okay, wait. Before you go any further, the possum that I was thinking of is this possum. Like a the common opossum, which is like nasty, skinny little nose, face, beady little eyes. Mm-hmm. Ugly, nasty creatures. Okay? That's not what you're talking about. You said this was Australia. I looked it up. It looks like it's a brush-tailed possum. That's exactly what I was Everybody going to say. Everybody knows that it's a brush-tailed possum. It's clearly... How did you guys not know that that was a brush-tailed possum? It's clearly a different species. It's a phalangeriformis. This is like... Oh, you And, and what else? Water is wet? I mean, are we going to do Water news of the wet. obvious? Water causes things to be wet. Are we going to just do obvious news? But the common brush-tailed possum is the nocturnal semi-arboreal marsupial of the family Phalangeridae and is native to Australia, the second largest of all the possums, this cute little guy. I'm glad you could join all of us with that knowledge. So, Man, Ma- you're like the Manny Machado of this show. <laughs> That is not true. I am such a hustler. You're going to trip me on the way out of the... I am the Marshawn Lynch of radio. (laughs) (laughs) Trip me on the way out of the studio? Maybe. Mm -hmm. Molly, uh, the beagle, has been toting this possum on her back ever since they met. They've been inseparable. I don't understand that because... I mean, I know the possum like that. I mean, in this little picture that I have here of the common brush-tailed possum, the... uh, the semi-arboreal marsupial, there is a little baby that's clinging on to the adult-sized possum, but he's, this baby, you're saying that Poss, that's the name, right? That's the name of the possum. They're very creative. Is clinging onto the back of a beagle. Yeah. Now, possums are mostly nocturnal. So as as Poss spends much of the day sleeping in the trees, Molly... Being the maternal beagle she is, just stands there faithfully while Poss sleeps. They they needed each other, and they found each other. 
Molly needed to mother something. Poss needed a mother. And here we go. Now, how can you how can you not love nature after hearing a story like that? The owner of the farm where Molly lives, Sarah Moyle, says it certainly uplifted her mood. Did she explain what happened to the litter of puppies? No, we don't know. It just says they that, didn't make it. It just says that she lost them. They didn't make it. The puppies did not make it. That's different than she lost what, them. What are you? Are you trying to? Well, I don't know. I mean, is she a dumb puppy, like a dumb dog, and doesn't know where they went, or they were not well and didn't live? I'm sure that's what it was. Okay. You're, I, you're, I you're calling wanna... out Molly as a mother now that like she lost her puppies, like she's a bad mom. Just wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to assign. You know, brain power to that. The video of the whole thing where you can see Molly and Poss is up on our website, taking up valuable space at KFIAM640.com. The keyword is Gary and Shannon. John, my dear, how are you? I'm all right. I'm very excited that uh, uh, Mark Garagos is going to be Jesse Smollett's <laughs> oh my God. defense attorney. And you know what that means for Jesse Smollett? The death penalty. <laughs> I don't think. Or, uh, Gar- is that on the table? Uh, Gar- I didn't no, think that was all on of the- Garagos' clients end up on death the row. The death penalty yeah. or a huge settlement from the NFL. <laughs> One of the two. So there's that. Yeah, he's going to indict the entire Chicago Police Department as a racist organization. He's going to – it's exactly what he's going to do. This is what he does. I know. Uh, it's going to be wildly entertaining. Rope is racist. He's, he's, like, he's like the worst defense lawyer. Subway tuna sandwiches are racist. <laughs> Surveillance cameras so are racist. We'll be uh, we'll be talking. Oh, we're also going to have on a uh, uh, state legislator who thinks we should have no speed limit on Interstate Five, and that'd be the fastest way to get to San Francisco. You ever been there? Like, special kind of feels like that. Oh, last already. time we were on there, we went about ninety. Yeah, was... yeah. There is no speed limit. I know on the ninety nine. <laughs> Please. So uh, we'll talk to him too. All right, John and Ken up next. We'll see you tomorrow. Stay dry, everybody. Tune in next week for the hilarious funeral episode on Gary and Shannon.